All right. Here we go. Fritz Bergen, bloodandfaith.com. Getting to the end of September. I want to talk to you about truth and the ongoing real-time collapse of our country. First of all, most importantly, when we talk about what is true, let me give you an example of what is true and what is not true. There's, there's, and it goes into the second part, the real-time collapse of our country. If you haven't been noticing, they're talking about the youth in, in Philadelphia, and the youth in Philadelphia are rioting and destroying retail establishments for no apparent reason. Uh, they're not... They don't seem to be pro- protesting uh, uh, another death of a Rodney King or racial injustice. Or they, they're just they're just going crazy. And we've seen this over the last several months in these big city. The youth, the youth, uh, Lululemon, Apple, uh, North Face, nineteen liquor stores were ransacked because you know why not? Let's get some booze. And uh, it's the youth. Target. Shutting down, I think, nine stores on the West Coast, Seattle, San Francisco, Portland. Shoplifting. There's, it, shoplift, shoplifters did it. Shoplifters. CVS is looking at the same thing. Uh, who did this? The, the youth. Now, the youth video themselves. It's not some, uh, you know, independent. The youth are out there fitting them themselves. And they're black. They're black people. Some are youths and some are adults. A lot of them are adults. These aren't youth. These are blacks. They're not Japanese-American citizens. There's nobody out there in a burka... These are not white teenagers. Near as I can tell, they're not even they're not even Mexicans. They're blacks, and they're videoing them videoing them themselves, and they're going crazy. But we can't say the truth. We can't say it's the blacks that are doing this. They're destroying their own cities. Okay, there's a difference between truth and participating in a lie. And every one of us are guilty of it. <clears throat> I'm guilty of it. You know, there's certain things you can't... You go into the workplace and you can't say certain things, so you don't. <laughs> you can't even talk honestly about what's going on. This is a sign of a totalitarian society. You cannot have an honest conversation about what's going on in society. And this goes back years. I've told this story before, but I distinctly remember a conversation amongst senior bureaucratic employees. I won't get any more specific than that. And we're talking about modern day politics in America of 10 or 12 years ago. And one of them turned around walked away. She said, I can't participate in this conversation because Somewhere, somebody might say you can't talk about that. You can't say that stuff. You can't talk about groups of people in the U.S. and distinguish between them, some favorably and some unfavorably. And this is no dig on the person that walked away. That is very common in the United States of America. 
We can't talk, you can't say that. We can't talk about that. And you talk around it. You talk around it. And this is how, this, this is a characteristic of a totalitarian society. And then you have the snitches. I studied this stuff. I got a PhD in this stuff. Cuba, you had the block watches. You had neighbors that would specifically were appointed or selected or recruited to report on everything their neighbors did. And they would go to the uh, Communist Party uh, official and say, well, you know, Fritz said this. I was at a party with Fritz the other night, and Fritz said this. And it would go back, and it would go, and they'd, they'd filter through the system, and then, oh, I get a call to my office. And say, yeah, Fritz, you know that promotion you're going to get? You don't get it any longer. You know that raise you're going to get? Like, you know, Fritz, we're downsizing, and uh, yeah, you, you know, you don't have a job anymore. This is Cuba. This is Cuba since 1959, the 1960s, 1970s, 1980s Cuba. It's 2023 now. Maybe it's changed, but I'm sure it went up through the at least the 20 teens. I have some friends of mine that just got back from there, and things are, I wouldn't say opening up, but it's changed a little bit there. We participate in the totalitarian nature of our own regime because we're afraid we're going to get punished. We're afraid we're going to lose our job. We're going to lose our income. And this is true. You will. You will. You're going to lose economic opportunities. You're going to be punished at work. You're going to be punished at school. And it's all true. It is true. And so we lie. So we participate in the lies. Alexander Solzhenitsyn, a great hero of mine, been a hero of mine since I was 20 years old, read about him. He resisted, he stood up against the Soviet Union. As a loyal, patriotic member of, of he, was in the, he was in the Soviet Army. He was a military, he was an artillery officer in the Second World War. Patriot, loved his country. But at a certain point, he couldn't take it anymore. He couldn't do it anymore. And, and, and somebody, you know, they found a letter that he wrote to a friend where he honestly described his opinions on the situation, and they threw him in a ghoul. They threw him in prison. They threw him in a political concentration camp. And then he said, I, I, said, I don't care. I'm going to keep writing. And he kept writing and writing. And his writings were smuggled out, and they got published in the West. And he was considered a great hero in the West. And then eventually he came to the West. He settled in the West. Settled in the United States, in Vermont, I believe it was. And then he went after the United States. Started criticizing the United States, and all of a sudden the leftist liberal establishment, the establishment, sort of PNG and persona non grata, said, you're not part of our club anymore. You were useful while you were useful, but if you're coming after the liberal, neoliberal uh, uh, political order that we've established, we, we don't want you anymore. They cast him aside. He went back to the Russia, post-Soviet Union, and, and, and uh, is buried over there. Great hero of mine. I, I recommend you reading anything you, you can on his... Uh, one day in the, Ivan, uh, the day of Ivan Denisovich is one. Uh, but one of the things he said is you, you don't let the lie flow through you. Don't let the lie flow through you. And we as Americans have participated in the construction of our own totalitarian empire, governing and ruling over us to the extent that we participate in these daily lies. 
It was the youth. It's, it's, it, it doesn't have to be. There's many more examples. You've heard me talk about these things. It was the youth, the youth in Philadelphia that, you know, kids will be kids. No. These were black people. And they weren't all 14-year-olds. There was no white people there. There's no Jap- There's no Asian Americans there. Don't blame it on the youth. So we participate in the lies. We participate in the lies. Now, the whole black issue, it's, you know, I've really never delved into that, but you know, the only people that are going to help themselves are themselves. And it's not be, it's not going to be through their Jesse Jacksons or whatever their their political uh, you know, they're just being used as as a, as a tool, as a ramrod by certain other people in order to bring the system down in real time. So you've got these Democrat cities run by Democrats. I'm not saying the Republicans are any better, but you got to follow the patterns at some point. And they're becoming less and less habitable. How many people do you know that have moved out of these big rural urban areas? I've got family members that have left Seattle because that that liberal progressive paradise has literally collapsed in my lifetime. It's collapsed. I used to go downtown Seattle back when there was a Frederick and Nelson's. I'm sure it was bought out by some global corporation. And you see all the women in their fur coats. And it was wonderful. And I went there a few years ago, four, five, six years ago. And it wasn't any better than some of the third world cities that I've, I've visited. In fact, in some ways it was worse. It was a third world hellhole. You had people crapping in the streets, living in the streets, tents, people from God knows where they came from. Ain't no ladies down there in fur coats walking around doing their Christmas shopping. It was dangerous. And that's Seattle. Philadelphia, San Francisco, Portland. Now New York, the mayor of New York, Eric Adams. Oh my God, we're being flooded with illegals. We don't want these illegals here. They're destroying our city. It's on purpose. It's not by chance. It's by design. They don't love the immigrants. They hate the white and Christian American. Stop participating in the lie. I'm telling you. We have to say it. You can't gloss over it anymore. We're, we're, our country is collapsing in real time. And I will, I will go after the people that are most guilty of this. And it, and it is the church. It is the Christian. It is my Christian brethren. And it is the pastors in the pulpit. And we're all, we've all been guilty of that. But at a certain point, a man's just got to say, you know what, enough. I can't do this anymore. Gideon is your example. He just said, God... Things are really, really bad. And he and and the Lord said to him, I said, Gideon, do you really feel that way? He's like, Yeah, Lord, I really do. I said, All right, here, here, I want you to go do something. That's gonna probably cost you everything, your whole life. You're gonna be hated by your friends, your families, your neighbors. They may kill you. You'll never get a job with them. You're not gonna marry their daughters. You're gonna be an outcast in your own society. Your dad may disown you. 
And let me tell you something. Gideon had to think about that. And every time I think about Gideon, I wonder how many other men did God go to and that time, at that time so long ago and give them the same message and they just said, you know, it's not worth it. They just said, I can't, I can't do this. I can't do this. You know, I have to take care of my family. I have to take care of my wife. I have to take care of my kids. You know, God wouldn't want me to. I can't be God. Because I'm telling you, it happens. It happens all the time. Judas Iscariot made a decision. He said, you know what? I love Jesus. I like Jesus. I like all, all apostles. He didn't show up one day and just say, you know, I, I hate this guy's guts and I'm mean, I want to kill him. And No, man, I love this guy. I just think I just need a little personal course adjustment here. and Probably be good for Jesus. Be good for Peter and Paul and not Paul, but Peter and John and the other of the 12 apostles. He went down and worked out an accommodation with those people. And that's what treason looks like. And we have very clear clear guidance in the Holy Scriptures of what's right and wrong and who is right and wrong and who is on the good side and the right side and who is on the bad side. There's descriptions of the Antichrist in the Bible. There's descriptions of the children of the devil in the Bible. There's descriptions of the synagogue of Satan in the Bible. There's descriptions of the seed of the serpent in the Bible. And we ignore it. We participate in a lie. And then you go to America in 2023 and people can't figure out what the problem is. Oh, it's the Democrats. Oh, it's the rhino Republicans. And they can't have an honest conversation. They can't talk about what's going on. They participate in the lie. You can't say that. You can't say that. That's you're you're a racist. Fritz, you're just you're anti-Semitic. And so we participate in a lie. We literally participate in the lie. And we live in a totalitarian society today because every one of us, I'm not just talking there's a few bad apples. We've lost the courage as a race, as a church and as the white race to say the truth. It's just the truth. And people don't want to associate with the truth because it's dangerous. Let's participate in the lie. It's easier. This is the sign of a totalitarian state, totalitarian culture, totalitarian empire. You can't say that. And you figure out what the party line is. Believe me, I watch this at work every day. You figure out what the party line is, and you get all these people, oh, I'm going to impress everybody. I'm going to show people how good and righteous and pure I am. And they jump on the bandwagon. We have to denounce racism in all its forms. The problem in America is white supremacy. The problem in America is we don't have enough diversity. Uh, we, we, ha- we can't just be uh, uh, not racist ourselves. We have to be actively anti And they get on their little high horse, and they go and they do their moral posings. Look at me, look at me. And some of the worst people are white people. And this, doesn't, this didn't start last year. It didn't start in 2017 or 2018 or 2021. I remember back in the 1990s year, I was at a large corporation, Fortune 50 company. 
We had two HR people, a black woman and a white man. You know who was the worst? It was a white man. We're talking 30, 30 years ago. It was a white man. He'd get up there on his little high horse, morally posing. Well, you know, we're against, you know, we have zero tolerance, zero tolerance for discrimination and racism. And he'd get up there and he'd act all moral about it. You know, and you talk to the black woman, wonderful, my God, the classy, wonderful, I think she was from one of the islands, in the islands. And I didn't have any issues. I'm not saying I had these conversations because I had issues. But it came up and she just said, you know what, people just need to, you know, go be yourself at home. But in the workplace, we just need to go to work. The worst guy was the white guy. So I'll put it on the white guy. I'll put it on the whites. I'll put it on the Christians. You participate in the lie. You participate in the lie. And we're trying to build. Somebody's trying to build. I'm not trying to build. I'm against it. We want to build this artificial empire called America or called Europe or called the West, called the New World or whatever you want to call it, on rotten foundations. It's insustainable, except unless you want an empire. There's many empires in the Bible. Babel, Babylon, Egypt, Rome, the Persians, the Medes, the Greeks, the beasts, the Rome. And a multicultural, polyglot, multi-religious, multi-ethnic multilingual groupings of peoples under the same government is an empire. And there's no freedom there. There's no liberty there. You cannot serve Jesus Christ as a culture in an empire. The greatest book about that is a book that we've all read and, and, and nobody pays attention to it. We have it reversed. 127 provinces in this Persian Empire ruled by a, a, a not a very intelligent man, a Hazarus. And there was intrigue going on. I've covered this. Tell me to be quiet if you already know the story. And you got a certain group of people in there that took over and they started murdering those they didn't like. The example in the Bible of a nation, of a nation state, are the children of a single man, Israel. Not the children of Abraham, not the children of Isaac, the children of Israel. Ishmael was rejected as being part of that covenant. Esau was rejected as part of that covenant. It was Jacob and his sons that made the ancient state of Israel nothing to do with the modern state of Israel. Nothing to do whatsoever. Don't make that mistake. And we participate in this lie that says that we can, you know, let's make America great again. Well, what was America? If you want to start 400 years ago, it was white Englishmen that worshipped Jesus Christ as close to the Bible as they could figure it out. They were Protestants. They were, they were Puritans and they were pilgrims. 
And they even looked at the Church of England and said, yeah, we can do better than that. That was the foundation of it. And you had Christian, Northern European men, English-speaking men that came and they settled on the east coast of North America. And they built something great. And they spread out across the Midwest. They spread across the valley of, of the Mississippi River and the Missouri River. And they built something great. They built something great. The Canadians too. And the French Canadians are different than the English Canadians. But these are European and Christian peoples. Even the, the, the French Canadians are different than the English Canadians, the Protestants versus the Catholics. They almost came to secession as well. But no, we're going to jam everybody in this meat grinder. You're going to strip them of not only their ethnicity and their language and their religion, but now their biological sex as you chop these kids up. And if you don't participate in the lie in the United States of America, you are punished. In the Soviet Union, they would throw you in a gulag. They would throw you in prison camps in Siberia. Cold, miserable, you got disease, you died, froze to death, whatever. They didn't care. We don't do that in America. What we do is we destroy your potential to make a living. Or we severely handicap your ability to make a living. You, can, you will get kicked out of school. You will not make it through the University of Washington if you have ideas that I have and you speak them publicly. These are not places of, of discussion and dissent and, and, and free thinking and free speaking. They're totalitarian systems. You will not make it in your private business or your, as a government bureaucrat if you say the things that I am saying. They will come after you and they will do everything they can to destroy you. And so people participate in the lies because it's not worth it to them. It's not worth it. Oh, I owe my kids a living. I owe my wife a, a, a newer car. I need to save up for my retirement. And if I lose this job because I don't participate in the lie, I'm going to lose my retirement. And so we're a nation of cowards. And it goes to the pulpit, baby. I'll just tell you. It goes right to the pulpit of the, the best Bible-believing Protestant churches out there. And they won't say the truth. They'll shave the truth. They'll shade the truth. Especially if they're, especially if they're white. I've heard some black preachers. They'll come out and they'll say it how, how it is. They will. But these white people, they're cowards because somebody's going to call them a racist. Somebody's going to call them homophobic. Somebody's going to call them anti-Semitic. Somebody's going to call them a Nazi. So they participate in the lies by omission and commission. Well, the youth were rioting last night in Philadelphia. No, the youth were not right. Blacks were rioting last night in Philadelphia. You can't say that. I'm sure there was a white person there somewhere. You participate in a lie. You help foster the lie. You help push the lie. And by your example, you're telling people it's okay to go along with the lies. This is not an anti-black podcast. 
This is an anti-cowardice podcast. And it starts in the pulpits. I'm telling you, it starts in the pulpits. There's a podcast I listen to fairly regularly. I can't get all of them because he puts out a lot of content. It's Steve Bannon, War Room, War Room dot something or other. Uh, he, he's, he, the man is brilliant. I tell you, the man is brilliant. doesn't mean I agree with everything everybody says out there. But he's worth listening to. And, you know, the guy will get so close to the truth. He'll get so close to the truth. But he can't take that last step. He'll talk about the globalists. He'll talk about the international orders. He'll talk about the bankers. He'll talk about debt slavery. <laughs> He'll talk about Mayorkas. He'll talk about Blinken. He'll talk about... What's the Attorney General's name? That guy. And, and he won't go to the next step. Because there are certain things you cannot do in this society without getting destroyed as much as they can destroy you. By the grace I am, by the grace of God, I sit where I sit and I say what I say and I do what I do. By the grace of God alone, I still have a job. I don't know how. All I can say is there's angels out there somewhere protecting me. Because it sure hasn't been friends and colleagues. It sure hasn't been Christians. It sure hasn't been Christian legal organizations. It sure hasn't been churches. Oh, you go for it. You, you, you speak your conscience, but you know. Uh, and they'll run the other way. We live in a totalitarian society because the average man, the average woman... The average child is trained to participate in the lie. And it starts in the pulpits. It starts in the dining room around the table. It starts with mommy. It starts with your teachers. Who do we look to for examples? And they won't fight the lies. They'll keep their mouth shut in the face of the lies. If they don't pass the lies through them, they'll sit in silence as the lie is propagated across society. Because they're terif- we already live in a totalitarian society. It's the most effective totalitarian society, I think, in, in the history of mankind. In the Soviet Union, yeah, bodily, they would destroy you. In the United States, it's more effective. They debt enslave you. They, they pump your mind full of government propaganda. And if you get out of line, you are economically punished. And you're disproportionately punished if they can find a way to get you. It's hate speech. It's white nationalism. It's racism. It's, and they got all these other code words out there to throw on you as if these things were crimes, and they're not crimes. They're not crimes at all. Any person with a solid understanding of, of the Holy Scriptures, Genesis through the Revelation, would understand that these terms are man-made terms, they're man-made traditions. 
used to overrule the Word of God, undermine the Word of God, accuse Jesus Christ. When I say things about a certain group of people, which I do, which you know about, I didn't get these from some mid-20th century politician. I didn't get these from some crank on, on the internet. I got it out of the gospel according to St. John. I got it out of First Thessalonians. I got it out of the Revelation. I got it out of Isaiah. I got it out of Genesis. But you can't say that. Because it's anti-something. So ask me this question. Let me ask you this question. Why should God save this country? Why should God save America? What, to roll us back to 1980, 1970, 1960, 1950? Why should God save America? Tell me why God should save America if this will not, if this country refuses, if the pulpits in this country refuse to honor the Word of God on who the real enemy is. Why should God save America? Why? Oh, He loves His people. Do you even know who His people are? His people are those baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, confessing Jesus Christ, and proud of the words of Jesus Christ. Proud of the words of Jesus Christ. They're not the people that murder Jesus Christ. They're not the people that reject Jesus Christ. They're not the synagogue of Satan. We're the ones that have to change. And it's going to have to be every mom, every dad, every high schooler. Gideon was not a big deal. He said, he said, <laughs> he said I'm the least dude in the least house and the least tribe of the house of Israel. I am literally, you're talking to nobody. And we need about a million of them. We needed a million of them yesterday. Don't participate in the lies. Fritz Bergen, bloodandfaith.com.